Super Talk Mississippi media production. Hi, this is Dr. Andy Barlow with the Chiropractic Physician Center of Tupelo and author of the number one bestseller, The Code Breaker. Are you sick and tired of the medical merry-go-round? Are you looking for a potential solution to your health problem? Be sure and listen to our podcast, The Code Breaker. Welcome into the new era, if you will. The new Rebel Report. I'm Michael Borky, not alone anymore. He's Stephen Gagliano. It is great to be with you. And we'll start with this before we get into anything else. It's probably going to be a bit of a shorter one today because it's the day before Lane Kiffin makes his rounds at SEC Media Day. So previewing somebody previewing something seems a little silly. So right now I'm going to introduce you to Stephen. We'll talk about a couple of things. And it is great to be with you. So Stephen Gagliano, tell the people who you are. That's a, that's a loaded I? question. Yeah. Who are you? Like <laughs> that when is you, a loaded When one. you create a new account, it's like bio... <laughs> You don't know what to put there. So what's your bio? Right. So my bio is graduated from Ole Miss back in 2016, worked in Oxford for a year after that. I did the whole student media thing while I was in school, worked in Oxford for that year. And now I've been here at Supertalk for, geez, almost four years now. Wow. Uh, doing a little bit of everything. I do news, sports, weather when it calls for it. We've done more of that than uh, than any of us would have liked. But uh, That's yeah. how it goes. That's kind of the short, uh, quick intro. Obviously, you've heard me, again, doing news updates. You heard me running the board for Sports Sunday, which it has been a full one day since uh, since that ended. May it rest was, in peace. Yes, it was so good that they decided to get the band back together, even after all this time <laughs> had passed, a full 24 hours. Oh, man. Yeah, the, the weather thing is, is hilarious. I, I was telling somebody that this was happening. He said, wait, is that the news guy? <laughs> so, yeah, you're the news guy there now. There we go. That's, I'll take it. Yeah, that's uh, that's nice. So That's more be, people than I ever thought would actually know who I was, so I'll I, take it. Take the news guy thing. Yeah. I mean, getting a label. I, when Phil Bryant used to walk around the office in here, he would call me Junior, and it used to drive me nuts. I mean, I hated it. I guess he thought I was an intern or something when I first started. And my dad would say, at least he knows you and affiliates you with a name. I was like, yeah, but who cares? <laughs> he was in here the other day and did not remember me at all, so at least he remembered you. Yeah, well, I'm almost 30. Like, I can't be a junior <laughs> when I'm almost at 30. So right. this is going to be the podcast now. I learned, Stephen, that I hate solo podcasting i can't stand it it seems like, like it would be difficult it's it's awful and, and some people are more talented than me which is why they're able to do it i guess <laughs> like the streaming thing is fine because i've there you know there's people and they're commenting and if you miss something like they can fill it in or whatever but just sitting in my home <laughs> office by myself just talking to myself was painful so yeah. I'm so happy this is happening, and I <laughs> promise you, here. the listeners of this are are going to be happy that this is happening as well. Yeah, this is my first podcasting experience, and I can already tell you, I don't know what to do with my hands. I never do. I always, I, I always <laughs> do this. Like you, you hear yeah. random noises in the background. I'm a hand talker. I picked up a pencil. Now I've just got that. Oh yeah, like Lee Corso, you know? Just, right. Yeah, that's who I'm modeling my game after. But. And because running the board, I would always kind of have my hands on the buttons and making sure everything was where it needed to be. So now, yeah, I don't know what to do with my hands. You, I mean, if you're like me, you never will. Okay, it's Good just something know. that that frustrates me to death. But I, I'm glad that that is over. I know, I know you, the listener. If you're not familiar with Stephen, you will like him. I promise, and it will be a much better product. It will be a more consistent product, which is the most important thing. It will be consistent. We are. So we're 40 days away from the opening college football season, which means we should be 49 days away 
from Ole Miss's game, right? Because if we're 40 days away from August 28th and Ole Miss plays 7 plus 2, that would be 49, right? Yes. We are inside of 50? Yeah, <laughs> You'll learn that about me quickly is that I'm terrible at math Not like a math most guy. other journalism people, so... But yes, I think we've got it right there. People that go days. to journalism school are not good at anything <laughs> at all, including journalism, as it turns out. So yeah, we will. Uh, it will be a more consistent product for you. It will be uh, better, much, much, much better. And so for those of you that stuck it out through now, I appreciate you. And uh, moving forward, Stephen appreciates you as well. Uh, before we get into Media Day stuff, the podcast is brought to you by Advantage Business Systems. They've been... Uh, They started in Jackson back in the 70s, but they service the entire state. So if you're looking for office technology solutions, ABS, Advantage Business Systems, is the place to do it. And they offer complimentary office technology assessments. If you want one of those, visit their website, absms.com, absms.com. They do copiers and printers, mail machines, voiceover, IP phones, communications, uh, cloud storage, that kind of stuff. That's what ABS does, and they can do it for you. It's a Mississippi-based company. When you call them, you get a live person. When they service you, it's somebody from your backyard, Advantage Business Systems, and tell them we sent you. Also, tell the people at LBs that we sent you. Uh, go see Greg just across from Kroger on University Avenue in Oxford. It's the best place in Mississippi to get your meat. I don't have my phone on me. I always tell the people what the weather is going to be because you don't want to grill in bad weather. So you can always move it indoors just in case. You could. And see, that's always so stupid because like swordfish, <laughs> for example, you can grill swordfish, but it's best made in a skillet. Right. They serve that. They sell that there. So why would I tell you what the weather is outside? If I'm, <laughs> Anyway, you've got uh, pretty nice weather. I mean, un- seasonably cool, unseasonably right. cool. Yeah, unseasonably. Seasonably only, would be it's 100 degrees outside. In the next 10 days in Oxford, and, and the, the Jackson area is similar to this. Uh, 90 is the high, and that's way later in the week. You've got mid to upper 80s for the next few days. That's perfect grilling weather. A little bit, up and down. It's perfect grilling weather, and uh, we're going to get punished for this in September. No doubt. We've had, (laughs) like, think about it. We've had a pretty cool summer. Yeah, so they're just waiting to turn on the heat until then. Yeah, we're going to pay for it. So tell Greg we sent you, tell the good folks at ABS that we sent you as well. So SEC Media Days got started today. Greg Sankey gave his rather long address where he used a lot of words to say very little, but he did mention a couple of things. So let's run through them quickly. The things that I found were most important anyway. First of all, the threshold for COVID. Six of the 14 teams have reached 80% or higher. Uh, Based on a conversation I had earlier, I have reason to believe Ole Miss is not one of those six teams, and uh, they're not there yet, but they could be. By the time the season begins, they have six weeks in order to do that. Sankey mentioned that no games will be postponed. They will not work with teams that are out due to COVID. Uh, There will be limited, very limited, barely any testing protocol for teams that have reached that 80%. So not surprising because other conferences are doing it, but no postponed games, no moving around the schedule. If you can't play, that's too bad. You can't play. You mean to tell me if there's positive cases within the Alabama football program the week they play LSU, that game's not getting postponed? They, uh, They're they playing that game. Oh, oh, they'll find a way to play. Yeah. But it's like the whole Texas A&M, one particular Texas A&M player is uh, in the COVID protocol, and therefore they are trying to find a way not to play the game. That's not going to happen. 
That's this good. year. It will be a forfeit. And that was so transparent at the time, and everyone knew it. I, I still can't believe that they didn't find a way to play that yeah, game. Yeah, you know, and everybody kind of dances around it, myself included. Um, there was one particular player, the most important player for Texas A&M, that was unavailable to play, and so they didn't play uh, because they were in pursuit of a playoff berth. That's just, you know, what's out there. Anyway, it seems fair, reasonable, right? It does. And it's an incentive to, for teams to get their players vaccinated. And, you know, we won't get into a whole thing of should you, shouldn't you kind of thing. But if you get to that 85%, you're out of the daily testing that everyone had to go through last year. And I'm sure no one likes getting that thing stuck up their nose five times a week. So get vaccinated. You don't have to go through those protocols anymore. You don't have to worry as much about games getting canceled because your team is protected. So I I think it is fair. And I don't think people wanted to come into this season with all of these different protocols and guidelines because that makes it feel like things could go wrong. You're almost expecting things to go wrong when you have those kind of things in place. So I'm glad to see this as a a more common sense approach entering this season. Yeah, and at least, you know, there are some people that are listening to this that cannot stand what what you just said, and, you know, that, that's okay. <laughs> I'm making people angry um, on my first episode. No, no. <laughs> uh, those, those are perpetually angry. But um, this college football season, if it's going to be as normal as possible, these teams have to reach that threshold. That's really what it comes down to. There was nothing in Sankey's tone today that told me they are looking at altering anything. That doesn't sound like an option. I mean, hell, they played last year when there was no shot available, right? It's readily available now. They they played last year. Right. So I had somebody ask me last night, well, you know, are you worried that they may not play? Not at all. Not even a little bit. They're going to play, but for teams, at least according to one source like Ole Miss who are not there yet, it's going to be really difficult. I imagine that they're going to do some things to inspire, and uh, we'll see if if it works. But anyway, so that was the first thing. And the second thing, and the most important thing, at least in terms of this podcast and what stood out to me, him talking about the NCAA. And I, I don't want to focus on the restructuring of college sports. He said some good stuff about that. I think that's coming, and I think he talked when he's – spoke on it today, something is going to happen in college football where Mark Emmert and the NCAA and the board of directors are not overseeing major college football anymore. That ruling from the Supreme Court, that 9 nothing ruling, that opened the floodgates for whatever is about to happen to the NCAA. And yeah. I think, and he referenced that today. Yeah, and the clock started ticking right at that moment. And I think now these major conference commissioners are starting to kind of put their plans together. I mean, it's it's almost as if Greg Sankey realized, or he should have realized last year, that he can do it better. And I did like what he said today, though. Not everybody is us. He said the pressures, the, I forget, I'm paraphrasing, but the, the pressure, the stakes, financially and otherwise, in the SEC are not the same as other conferences. You know, the Patriot League has a say in what happens to SEC teams. Right. That doesn't, you know, that just that has, that does not make sense. They're in completely different atmospheres. That's like Roger Goodell making rules for college football. Yes, it's the same sport. Dramatically different circumstances. Yes. And, and he referenced that today. I actually liked that from Sankey. Finally, somebody is saying, these, all of these conferences, 
the Southeastern Conference down to the Southern Conference, down to the Patriot League and wherever the hell Mount Union plays. They should not all be governed by the same people. They shouldn't play by the same set of rules. And it's about time somebody with his power is acknowledging that and saying that. Yeah, and that's the big part is him saying it. Because everyone has known this for such a long time. But now it's just going to take more and more voices entering that conversation publicly. Privately, I'm sure they've had these conversations for years. But now this is happening in the public domain. What took this long? (laughs) Exactly. I mean, the 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 Supreme Court ruling. This is going to sound bad, but maybe for the future of college sports, COVID did some good. Some, some good. A lot, a oh, lot that, bad. That quote won't be taken out of oh, context. Yeah. I know. Uh, <laughs> Michael Borky, quote, COVID, COVID was good. good. <laughs> COVID was good. No, it, it was almost exclusively awful. But in terms of college sports, maybe that was what it took. Because he, he got to sit there, and everybody in the league office, and in the, the Big 12 and the ACC, because they are not led by cowards either, sat back and watched the Big 12 and all these, con- or, or excuse me, the Big 10 and all these conferences really just step all over their feet. And it was awful the way everything was handled. Yeah, the last Ivy year. League accusing other leagues of trying to kill people by going on with their season, basically. Yeah. I mean, and then well, Dennis Dodd ran that story <laughs> that seven players were going to die yep. and all that. I mean, just. They sat back and watched all that, and there's no way they didn't talk amongst themselves and say, we can do better than this. And not like we as a whole, you know how people say on Twitter, we can be better. No, like we, the three of us, can do better than this (laughs) without all of them. So maybe all of that crap that uh, everybody tried to put us through last year woke people like Greg Sankey up to the fact that we need to be governing ourselves. Yeah, I think it had to have. I liked that. What I didn't like was him talking about the NCAA in terms of investigations. He apparently sent a letter. He said, I think it was back in December, right, was when he he claimed he penned this letter to the NCAA expressing his frustrations with uh, the process and the penalties and how it takes so long for this process to play out and stuff like that. And my question is, uh, where the hell were you a few years ago? <laughs> Why is it now that suddenly Greg Sankey is so frustrated (laughs) with the NCAA for taking too long? Where were you a few years ago when an investigation took five years and included the NCAA involving another one of your schools and their players essentially snitching on one of your schools? Where was this strongly worded letter years ago? And why now suddenly do you care about this stuff when they've basically been rendered obsolete? It makes no sense. It's such a, a subjective conversation. And, and when you try to enter it to, to take this hardline stance, you've almost lost credibility on that topic based on what you just said. Yeah. If you are silent throughout that entire investigation and you empower a rival school to have this kind of authority, essentially— over that one school that's under investigation and you let it play out like that, then you've lost me with your, I, I'm demanding answers from the NCAA. Yeah, why does it take so anything. long? Yeah. Where, where were you? Uh, it, you know, I don't want to be this guy, but I'm going to be this guy. The current teams in the SEC that are under the NCAA's microscope are Tennessee and LSU. A few years ago, the teams under the NCAA's microscope were Ole Miss, Mississippi State, and Missouri. 
Hmm. We didn't get a strongly worded letter a few years ago when it was Missouri that was getting an incredibly harsh punishment for something that literally everybody does. A tutor was doing work for some students, got postseason bans in three sports for that. Uh, Or Mississippi State in basketball. That investigation didn't last very long. But, you know, they got punished. Right. And then Ole Miss's five-year deal... With the NCAA, in which the NCAA got Mississippi State involved, and it took years, and there were multiple NOAs, and the process dragged out and dragged out and dragged out and dragged out. Hmm. It just it makes you think, doesn't it? It, it does. And what you don't have to think very long? hard when you bring in names like LSU and Tennessee. You know that those are big money programs and big high attraction programs for the SEC, and they're not going to let them be dragged through the mud for five years. But when it was Ole Miss, the NCAA and the SEC had no problem doing that. And and I hate doing this because rules are rules, I guess. But Missouri had a tutor do some work for students. Go look at Ole Miss's crimes. Not Hugh Freeze, (laughs) because he could have possibly committed actual (laughs) crimes, not NCAA-related or investigation-related. Right, related. Your, your use of the word crime is an air-quote version of that for, for Missouri. For Missouri. Yeah, their crime <laughs> was that. And, and compare that to what LSU is going through. It's just crazy that, that now suddenly you want speedy transparency <laughs> when it's so much worse yep. now than anything Ole Miss when you or have Missouri money or being State. taken from a children's hospital to pay for... Recruiting violations, guy and went whatever to prison. else. Yeah. That guy went to prison, <laughs> and all of a sudden, you want swift <sighs> action for that because you want that one swept under the rug. But people sleeping on couches, and yes, I know there are there are worse things from the Ole Miss investigation, but that's always the most notable one. Yeah. and it's laughable that that was something that's even included. It's, but yeah, just, when you have the the serious allegations out there right now against LSU and just letting those go essentially, and and now trying to to take this. Hardline stance. Now's not the right time. Five years ago was the right time. Why now? Why now do you suddenly care about that? That's a question I wish uh, would be asked of Greg Sankey. All right. Blaine Kiffin, Matt Corral, Jalen Jones making their rounds tomorrow. Jalen Jones entering his 10th season at Ole Miss. I know, Is there anything you're looking for? I've had so many people tell me, oh, I can't wait for Kiffin up there. He's going to be electric. No, now this is not the setting where he lets loose. He, he's And maybe he's great tomorrow. I don't I mean, who knows? But typically, this is not his setting. No. His setting is one-on-ones, you know, on the Dan Patrick show or just in person in real life or on social media. That's really where he's at. Yep. And he's got some dry humor. Like, he'll drop some one-liners in and stuff like that. But if people are looking for some, like, Laugh factory, like stand-up routine. You're not getting that from Kiffin tomorrow. I expect a lot of coach speak, which is what you should do. But people are going to be disappointed, I think, because he's not just going to be some frat boy up there. Yeah, and when I remember I went to his like introductory press conference, I got that video of somebody telling him, uh, you know, get a burner phone when he was on the tarmac. Yeah. So I went through that whole experience, and I remember getting to his press conference and kind of expecting – more of that, more of this energy and kind of joking around. He's very quiet and yeah. reserved. And, yeah, I don't think that – I think you're right. I don't think he's going to get up there and, and try to be the funniest guy in the room. He's going to give you 
a lot of nothing, I think. He's going to be peppered with a lot of questions about the quarterback situation and the defense and and all of that kind of stuff. But he's not going to give you these headline-inducing quotes that are, oh, my God, did you hear what Lane Kiffin said at SEC yeah. Media Days? I, at least I don't think. I hope I'm wrong because it would give us something more to talk about on Wednesday but or give me something to write for the rest of the news day tomorrow. Sure. But I don't think it's going to be that way. And it shouldn't. It's not a criticism at all. It's just his social media presence does not match his press conference presence, and that's fine. I mean, there's absolutely nothing it's like wrong with that. like an alter ego. Yeah, almost. <laughs> yeah. And he'll give us some good stuff. Like, you know, in his opening press conference, uh, somebody asked him about longevity, and, you know, saying at Ole Miss, he's like, have you seen my buyout? <laughs> that kind of stuff. Yeah. And I'm sure he'll drop that in. But, yeah, he will be asked. Because this is his first First media one. day experience. Eight coaches making their rounds for the first time this week. Man. Because the four from last year and four That's new right. ones this year. Yeah, it'll it'll be new faces, which that always makes for an interesting dynamic, whether the, the personalities are interesting. And Kiffin is interesting, but some of the other guys are not the most exciting. But Eli still, Drinkwitz doesn't Yeah, he doesn't move the up. needle. Not quite. But it's still, new faces in that setting is always interesting because you want to see how they react to it. Mm-hmm. And he'll be just fine. I mean, he, he's oh, yeah. not he's not new to, to media <laughs> anything. But is there anything that he can say that you're looking forward to as far as questions about his football team and stuff like that? I'm more interested to hear from Matt Corral personally. Yeah, with Kiffin, I think the one thing that I want to hear, and it's not necessarily an X's and O's kind of thing, and I know he'll give the rat poison thing, but it's how does this team get ready for expectations? There hasn't, there hasn't been any expectations really around an Ole Miss football team in a while. Not since 2016. Right. So entering this season, I think people outside the program, so fans, media, and now probably players inside the program, they have certain expectations for this team. So it's how do you handle that going into this year? Yeah, none of these, none of these kids have really won. Nope. I mean, they, they have some experience. Matt Corral's played a lot of football under a lot of different offensive coordinators <laughs> in his life. But, yeah, that's something I haven't thought of. Uh, these kids haven't really won. Mm-mm. Not not at a level that they're expected to win at uh, this year. Except, anyway. I guess, Jalen Jones. Would he have been there for the Sugar Bowl? Oh, man, Jalen Jones was there when Deuce McAllister was scoring <laughs> touchdowns at this point. So, guys like him, he may be, you know, some of the ones that help the younger players through that and, and what to expect going into this season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, questions about defense, uh, I assume he'll be asked a lot. He'll be asked a thousand times about John Rice Plumley and yep. Elijah Moore and all that. I want to hear from Matt Corral, though. Uh, and again, it's talking season. You know, some guys are really bad at this, some are good. It doesn't matter when the, the ball actually kicks off and they play. But I, I do want to hear him asked about turnovers and, you know, what he's done this offseason to eliminate the Arkansas game mm-hmm. from last year, to eliminate the LSU game from last year, how he's handling the hype because – Although I think he's still underrated in terms of going into this season, the Athletic had him as the number three quarterback prospect in college football. That's a first round pick. That's a top twenty pick. I think I yeah I had him or I saw a mock draft that had him going to the Falcons pretty early. I mean that that so th- those expectations are real. So how is he handling it, and how we get rid of the Arkansas game? Because if he gets rid of the Arkansas game and LSU, I mean he threw five interceptions. If you go watch that game though. He was exceptional, aside from those five throws. <laughs> right. I, I know that's silly to say, but... It was also a torrential downpour, right. because he fumbled in a pretty key moment, too. But again, it was a, a torrential downpour that in Baton ended the game, yep. the, that fumble. But he has that ability, if he gets rid of the Arkansas game, 
to be a Heisman contender, a real Heisman contender. But there's that caveat. He can't do that. And he did it twice. Right. One game like that, and you're eliminated so, from any kind of conversation like so that. So what have you done this offseason to eliminate that, to not have an Arkansas game? I, I cannot wait to hear his answer. He's pretty savvy as well. Uh, so I, I'm curious to, to see what he has to say. I'm far more interested in, in his thoughts than I am Lane Kiffin's, which is weird because Kiffin's, <laughs> you know, Lane Kiffin's well, just polarizing. Yeah, and coaches, they're more practiced at this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And not not to say that players aren't, but players sometimes almost accidentally give you a little more than they should. So you can expect that from players, and you kind of hope for that almost. Yeah, And, I mean, this is a big year for him, and we'll talk about it more on Wednesday, I'm sure. But, I mean, we joke about it. This is the first time that Matt Corral will have the same offense and the same OC and obviously the same head coach for the first time. And that he's the unquestioned starter. Last last year, I know during camp, there were kind of some early reports that it wasn't as much of a quarterback battle as some may have thought, but there were still those questions out there, and they would put him up in front of the Zoom media. He would get asked about it. Plumlee would get asked about it. But this year, there is none of that. It's mm-hmm. This his is Matt Corral's team. football team. His team, his offense, his everything. So we'll talk about all that uh, on Wednesday's show. They make their rounds uh, again tomorrow. Uh, if there's anything pertinent audio-wise, we will certainly have that for you. Uh, anything else that we're missing as far as media days uh, that, that you're interested in from the Ole Miss side of things? From the Ole Miss side of things, I think those are kind of the main things that we hit. Um, I I do honestly think, though, it's going to be a really entertaining couple days with a lot of new faces there, and I look forward to seeing what some of Ole Miss's opponents, what their coaches and what their players have to say, and and we'll kind of recap all that on Wednesday. Yeah, Ed Orgeron said today that he hired his new offensive coordinators to run the Joe Brady offense. So, hmm. um, okay, <laughs> okay. People act like that's something that can be replicated. Oh, yeah. That was one of the most special seasons in all of college football because of all of the different minds that they had together in one place at one time. You can't just say, oh, yeah, these guys are going to run Joe Brady's system. I could watch LSU film for a year and think, oh, I can run the Joe Brady system. No, you can't. Yeah, you give him the, <laughs> his, his his exact playbook. Yeah. yeah, Play calling is not about having the plays. Right. It's about knowing when <laughs> to call them and how to call them and all that. So, I mean, you know, go for it, Ed. Okay. Joe Brady's going to be an NFL head coach in, what, the next two, three years probably? If it goes well in Carolina, maybe even after this year. Yeah. Depends how Seriously. far Sam Darnold sets him back. I don't know if he's that bad. No, nah, he's not. He, I think the Jets probably just ruined his confidence, <laughs> though. Well, uh, because Media Days is tomorrow, that'll put a wrap on today's show. But Wednesday, we'll go in-depth with what we heard, what we saw, what Kiffin said, what Corral said most especially. And uh, moving forward, Stephen Gagliano. Follow him on Twitter. Uh, you at, can at Peeve Gagliano. They can just search it's your name too. Yeah, though, yeah, right? it pops up. G A G L I A N O. Nailed it. Nailed it. That's <laughs> it. That's how you can find him. Uh, he also writes sports, uh, so you can follow him on Twitter, and he will write some Ole Miss and State and Southern stuff and whatever comes up. He's the he's the news guy. Yeah, the news guy here at Super. Talk, A successful so. first episode, I think. I think it went well. It'll... Maybe we'll get some hateful comments on Twitter. I don't know. No, but... <laughs> see, the, the people, the podcast listeners, are so much nicer than the radio show <laughs> listeners. It's we not had some even nice funny. ones for that too, though. Yeah, we did. <laughs> Yeah, we did. All right, guys. uh, We'll be back on Wednesday talking media days. In the meantime, you all have a good one. 
and we'll see you Wednesday. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.